Hey Peace Family, I'm John Huneman and you are invited to a special event hosted by our new Peace for Justice ministry. On March 16th at 7 p.m. on Zoom, we are going to have a conversation with Steve Garland, who is the founder and executive director of the E.L. Hardy Center, which works to help underprivileged children and their families by providing mentorship and safe spaces to be curious and learn new skills. You can sign up to hear more about Steve's unexpected journey to founding the Hardy Center, the daily challenges that local families face, and how they're overcoming them. Sign up now at peacegahanna.org or with the link in the show notes. Okay. Here's the sermon. We're focusing through Lent on the Lord's Prayer, and today we're talking about uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to start today, and I'm going to ask those of you at home to do the same thing. Go ahead and close your eyes for a minute, and we're going to start with a little uh, meditative imagination uh, practice here. Close your eyes. And I want you to start to picture a world where everything is as God wills it to be done. What does it look like? Probably even hard to put your mind around it, but what does a world look like where everything is as God desires? Now picture our nation. What does it look like? Picture this community, Gehanna, or extend to Columbus. What, is, what does it look like to live in this community where everything is what God would hope for? What about this church? <laughs> What about your home, your heart, your life? Now picture what are the words in any of this, what are, what are the words that are used to describe what this looks like? Maybe they're words like hopeful, loved, forgiven, Embraced. What are the words that you would add? And now in this world, finally, what are the words that no longer exist that are banned from this world? Maybe it's words like judgment, greed, anger. All right. Go ahead, open your eyes. Hopefully that led you somewhere, got some thoughts going, and now you have a little bit, or we have a little bit of a mindset of thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a little bit of what Jesus was teaching us in this prayer. What does it look like to be in a world that is as God desires, or at least to be striving for it. Now, let me back up a little bit and say that often in prayer, what we do as Christians is we'll offer a prayer, and then it's almost like we metaphorically kick back and grab a remote and say, all right, God, show us what you got. Like prayer is some sort of magic spell that we cast, and then we wait to see what God does with it. 
often you'll hear somebody, and I know I do this in the back of my mind, and so forgive me if you've said this, but you know in the back of my mind what I'm thinking now because I'm about to reveal it. When somebody says, I'm praying for you, in the back of my mind I'm going, okay, that means you're not going to do anything else. (laughs) Or you hear it all the time, thoughts and prayers, right? Thoughts and prayers. We, I have a little image here of thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. We love to say that, and it's not, trust me, I'm not saying prayer is wrong. Don't, don't go on Facebook right now and say, you're not going to believe what our pastor said this morning. He says prayers, but no, no, thoughts and prayers are good. They're good, but what happens is often we miss that prayer and action go hand in hand. How often do we see a mass shooting, and what is it that the politicians say right after? Our thoughts and prayers. Our thoughts and prayers go with the victims. Now, that's important, but prayer and action go hand in hand. One of my good friends is a guy named Drew Gensler. And he used to be the director for advocacy for the ELCA. So he lived in Washington, D.C. He was the guy that when bishops would come to uh, campaign for a certain cause, he would set them up with the senators and he would tell them what to say and here's our speaking points, things like that. And he talked about uh, often in some of his preaching and stories, he he likes to talk about when he goes to churches and he hears prayers like this, God, we pray that you feed the hungry. God, we pray that you relieve these people from their suffering. And he says those prayers drive him crazy because the prayers should be more along the lines of, God, help us to find ways to feed the hungry. God, empower us to move to relieve someone's suffering. Empower us, God, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is what you have in mind all along. Shane Claiborne, I'll throw a couple quotes from him at you now. He says that when you pray to God, God, move a mountain. Be careful, because God's going to hand you a shovel. Prayer and action go hand in hand. Another quote Shane says is, prayer and action are like two blades of the scissors. They only work well when they're working in tandem with one another. This puts us back in the mindset of what Jesus is saying here. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven a picture of what God desires, and we get to participate in making it so. So kingdom is an interesting word choice in this prayer. It's, it's, it's a little dated for us today. We don't really talk much about kingdoms anymore, but it comes from this word. We'll pop it on the screen here. Basileia. Let me hear you. Basileia. At home, did you say it? Basileia. And uh, it really means, kind of like the, the translation states, will or, or your uh, desire is done, God's desire. When we were, some of you, I'm trying to see if any of you were with us in Greece, we had a 
travel guide, Carol was, yeah, we had a travel guide who, uh, her name comes from this. It's Basileia, but her name was Vasiliki, and our own John Huneman pointed out that her name stems from this, and it can also kind of mean queen, queen's desire, and if you remember, her name was Vasiliki. She definitely had her will done everywhere we went. She was in charge. And so that's what this word has a sense of. It's, it's God's desire, God's will be done, and it's an invitation for us to participate in making it so. Let me go to another story uh, that happened with Jesus. Jesus was confronted by a rich man. This is in Matthew chapter 19. A rich man comes up to him and says, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Pop that verse up here. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Now, we read this today, this story, and we think he's asking about how to get into heaven. What's my ticket, right? But that's really not a thought that a Jewish person in the day of Jesus would have been thinking. They don't spend a lot of time talking about how do I get to heaven. Instead, when they talk about kingdom, put that verse back up if you would, please, George. Eternal life is this word, or these words, olam haba. Olam haba, and it means this age. In this age, and it also has a sense of in the age to come. So when he asks this question, what the rich man's actually asking is, you seem to be on to something that God wants done here on earth. How do I get to participate in that? What does it look like for me to contribute to this movement that you're a part of that seems to be changing this age, but also moving into the age to come? So when he asks about eternal life, he says, how can I make a difference in the world that's going to matter for all the ages to come? That's what the rich man asks. So notice what Jesus does for uh, how he answers this question. He gives him, okay, so how about the commandments? Do you follow them? And the rich man says, uh, well, which one? Which one? Because he actually has a good thought process going here. There's 613 commandments, Jesus. Which one is the most important? And so Jesus says, all right, so have you followed? And he says, you honored your mother and your father. Do you love your neighbor? Uh, he goes on and he lists six different commandments. And he stops short, though, of saying the seventh, which is do not covet. Because he knows this is the guy's downfall. The, the guy's rich. And, and so material objects mean a lot to him. And his possessions mean a lot to him. And Jesus knows this is where he's going to get stuck. If you want to participate in this kingdom, well, here's your next step, Jesus says. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Gulp. <laughs> and it says the rich man goes away sadly. You see, this isn't like we so often translate it to be. This isn't a story about how do you get into heaven. 
And I want you to hear that loud and clear. Today's message is not about, remember, we're already loved by God. We know that as Lutherans. We, we have drilled that into you. We are saved by grace through faith. We are Lutherans. We know we're loved by God. But this line in the Lord's Prayer is all about how do we participate in it right now. See, Jesus misses. He, he really blows it here. He misses his opportunity to be an evangelist because he doesn't turn to the rich man and say, well, do you believe? Do you trust? Do you repent? Do you accept me as your personal Lord and Savior? He doesn't say any of that. He tells him, if you want to join in what God's doing now, then here's a simple step. If you want to participate, then it's going to mean that you're going to be challenged. Let me move on to another story. This is also Shane Claiborne. He talks about a time, he, if you don't know who Shane Claiborne is, he, he really challenges us as Christians to participate in the kingdom of God here on earth. And he tells this story that he lived in, he was part of a, a Christian community in the really rough neighborhoods of Philadelphia. And one day he was in his apartment and he heard gunshots out front. And he goes out front and he finds a 19-year-old young man who'd been shot right outside his doorstep. He went over and he held his hand and held him as the squad came and took him away. He found out the next day that the boy had died. Happened to be the week before Holy Week. So he knew that his community had to respond in some sort of way that felt appropriate to them. And so they planned that Good Friday to hold their service instead of where they normally do. They held it outside in front of the local gun shop in their neighborhood. And they went through all of the readings of the passion of Christ. They talked about Jesus and his the way he lived his life and the fact that it led him to a cross that he was so unpopular for what he stood for that they nailed him on a tree. And they said that the readings that night were so powerful. Now the young man that had died, his name was Papito. After this service was over and there was this tangible feel in the air, this older woman came up to Shane and said, I get it, I get it. And he said, you get what? I get that God knows what it feels like to lose his son to violence. It was Pepito's mom. What does it mean when we actually participate in thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Like I said before, we are saved by grace. This isn't about getting into heaven. Jesus accepts us all. But in response to that, we get to ask the question, what does it mean for us to live in a way that we want to participate in the kingdom come on earth and, and live in such a way that that life will live on for eternity. 
Differences will be made. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to close with a couple challenges to you. What does it look like for us to take a step? This Lenten season, how do we take a step forward in, in some sort of way where we participate just a little bit more in thy will be done? Minda Bickley's been working hard putting together all sorts of links from our social justice team. There's all sorts of different things that they're looking at, different ideas, thoughts, ways that we can learn, educate ourselves about people who might be different from us or different causes, different ideas, things that you might find that something that resonates with you that you want to stand up for. So those links are going to be uh, in the Facebook uh, page right now or online. You can go check it on our website site. There's all sorts of ideas that might trigger something in you. Or, here's a challenge. Let's face it. Most of us here at Peace Lutheran, we're white. We, we don't know what it's like to be a minority. So maybe a challenge is to find a way where you put yourself in a setting where you're the minority. Now, you can come back to me and say, how have you done that, Pastor Doug? Here's one, one story from my past. I was working to start the epic uh, interfaith group that I really miss during these COVID days. But uh, when I was starting it, one person that I heard I had to meet, meet was a guy named Malik Moore. Worked for the YMCA at the time, very connected with all sorts of uh, uh, people from different communities. And so he set up an appointment and I noticed it was an interesting place where he set up our first coffee to get together and, and kind of uh, get to know each other. He set it up at the Global Mall. I don't know if any of you have ever been there, but I was definitely the only white person in the building. Best cup of coffee I've ever had in Columbus, by the way. But he set it up on purpose, and I said, why are we meeting here? And he said, because I want you to know what it feels like to be a minority, maybe for the first time in your life. When the time is right, and we open back up in a little bit more normal sort of setting, First English is a wonderful place for you to visit and worship. We, Pastor Tony and myself, will not be offended if from time to time you visit there and feel what it's like to worship in a community that looks a little bit different than we do. Maybe for you, it's not about challenging yourself in terms of minorities. Maybe for you, it's challenging yourself in terms of people who are simply different. One struggle we always have here at Peace is getting people to volunteer for camp friendship or friendship connections. Because people, quite honestly, will admit, I'm not really comfortable around those types of people. I've heard people say that perfect opportunity to challenge yourself and grow. I was talking with Minda Bickley, I'll close with this image, I was talking with her the other day and she, she was talking about we spend all of this time trying to decide what to call that community, right? Differently abled, uh, disabled, all sorts of different terms uh, that we, we've, from time to time we always change what we call that demographic of people. I love what she said next. She said, you know, maybe we should spend less time worrying about what we call them and more time 
being comfortable sitting down and eating with them. It's such a biblical image. So I'm just going to leave you with that challenge this morning. You are loved by God. That's done. This isn't about earning. It's about participating. What does it look like to be a part of thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven?